Well, good morning, church. Um, Good to be with you this morning. I want to talk to you a little bit for just a second about uh, some things that have been happening and then some things that are going to be happening uh, in the life of our church. First of all, Pastor Lowell mentioned to you the First Fruits offering, and that's incredible, and we're just blessed by God by all of that. But we also, a couple of weeks ago, we all were here, and we marched by the stage, remember that, and we filled this place with toys, and um, I just wanted to say to you what happened as a result of, of all of those toys, because it's not just about giving the toys, the toys were an opportunity to engage with families. And so as we did in the week following the march, we engaged with families, and I asked this past week, Pastor Richard, hey, tell us a little bit about what happened with the toys. And so here's what uh, happened with the toys. I think I have the numbers right. But as a result of all the opportunities to talk with families, we were able to engage with 56 families. And that, uh, the multiplication plays out that we uh, blessed 175 children with, plus, 175 plus children with uh, gifts this Christmas. Isn't that incredible? But it's not just about the gifts, but it's also the fact that as, as families come to engage in that toy store, it's not just about uh, receiving the toys, but it's also about having a conversation with someone from our staff or a volunteer. And as a result of those conversations, we'd like to tell you that at least two people uh, trusted Jesus as Savior and have begun a walk with him. Um, but that's not all. That's great. That's incredible. And that is what it's all about. But as a result also of the conversations and uh, particularly the point person who is over that uh, a lady, incredible volunteer by the name of Kathy, um, one particular young lady we know has begun a conversation to possibly uh, get a better job situation than she had prior to coming to the toy store because of the conversations that we're able to have. And so we're praying that as a result of all of that, that we'll continue to see uh, lives be transformed over the next few weeks. And so you continue to pray for all of those who received um, gifts during the toy store. And that's really what I love about our church, is our church values families. And we don't just say we value families, but we do things like give toys because we value families. Uh, last week, well, a couple weeks ago, we learned by looking at the calendar, because we're incredibly intelligent pastors, we learned by looking at the calendar that Christmas Eve this year was going to be on Sunday. And as pastors and as musicians and so forth, we were incredibly blessed that uh, God uh, shown his favor upon us in that we get to have Christmas Eve on, on Sunday. Um, and, and we so we said, hey, let's do something in incredibly creative, and let's have uh, our candlelight services in the a.m. since we're already going to be here. I shared this with the West Campus this morning, and uh, it was uh, broad daylight, and so they were curious, how, how in the world are we going to do a candlelight service uh, that more in the morning? And I said, we have a plan for that, and, and we do have a plan for that, and we have an incredible plan for down here. But so that will put us here at Christmas Eve, and, and we'll do our Christmas Eve, as Pastor uh, Lowell said, this is going somewhere, we'll do our Christmas Eve candlelight in the morning, which opens up the evening uh, for us. And so we put together this idea that we hope is a hit down here. 51 families took this challenge um, out west. And so what we put together, borrowing some ideas from a local organization in our uh, city, we put together a box called the Family Time Box. And the Family Time Box goes along with a Family Time Challenge. 
And the family time challenge works this way, and it's actually written on the outside of the box. Uh, step number one, turn off and silence your cell phones and put them inside the box. That's step number one. Step number two is enjoy time together, distraction-free. Won't that be wonderful? That's step number two. Step number three is at the end of the challenge, take a family selfie after you take your phone back out of the box and share your story on social media. And we've provided for you a hashtag. And if you're not sure what a hashtag is, we have a hashtag course that's gonna be held right out in the mall um, after worship time. And so we provided the box and inside the box is empty space and that's where your cell phones go. But we also put inside the box uh, several, uh, several things. One is uh, we wanted to make the suggestion to you, the challenge to you to issue that, that you could do this in any way you see fit, but that you would take some significant time on Christmas Eve in the context of your family traditions and, and take this challenge. And you might set your own agenda for that, but I know that sometimes it can be a little bit difficult to do things like this, particularly when they're new. And so um, we put together a little guide to help you facilitate that time. And inside this guide are several things that you can do. They're just suggestions. Again, you can create your own agenda for this. But here are some of the things. Step number one, silence your cell phones. Do you get the idea that we want to eliminate the distractions? Uh, number two, we encourage you to, as a family, and maybe you already do this in your family, but read the Christmas story together. And we included in the guide two uh, versions, if you will. One is the concise birth narrative from Luke chapter 2. But we also included in the guide the full narrative surrounding Jesus in chronological order. So it kind of hops between uh, the Gospel of Matthew and, and Luke back and forth, back and forth. And then we put in here the guide, a script, so that you could, in your uh, family time, um, share communion together. Now, we didn't put the supplies for that in the box. You'll have to get those supplies. But there are some instructions uh, in that script. And then we also included something that I, I think it hit me this morning when I was talking about it, how significant this could possibly be for families. We included in the box a candy cane, and in the guide, there's something called the candy cane gospel. And using a candy cane and the guide, you can begin a conversation with your little ones or your older ones about the tenets of the gospel, some of the aspects of the gospel. And after the conversation, you can begin to intentionally pray that that conversation might bear fruit. And so the candy cane, then, if it's not already, would become a constant reminder to your little one of what Jesus did for them. And one day, based on the conversation and your prayers and the Spirit of God, maybe you would see the day when your little one would come to know Jesus in a personal way as Lord and Savior. Wouldn't that be incredible? And so it's a way, if you have not done so already, a simple way just to begin the gospel conversation with your, um, with your little one. Now, we put this one in for Pastor Lowell. Um, it's how to build a marshmallow snowman. And uh, you'll have to get those ingredients. We didn't put those in there, but there are instructions in the guide. So you can build your uh, marshmallow snowman. And we're looking forward to seeing marshmallow snowmen on social media. And we want to hear about the experience of building those marshmallow snowmen, uh, and that's included in the guide. We also included in the pack uh, a bundle of candles, because we know that Jesus said of himself that he was the light of the world. 
And so we want to reflect on that, even in your family time. So we provided you candles. But he also said that uh, to his followers and by implication to his followers today, that we are also the light of the world. And so we wanted to take a time to offer you a way to remember that and signify that in your family time. And so there are candles. Therefore, we did the math, 2.8 kids per family times, you know, so we put four in there. Um, But we know that some families have more than four, and so we have additional candles. And so if you take the challenge, and when you pick up your box, just grab your box and reach into the candle box and grab additional candles. So if you need five, six, eight, whatever you need, uh, you get the, the, the additional candles. And then the last thing, really, and we hope that this would be another thing that would continue on uh, throughout the year, we've included in here just a little guide to help you uh, bless your neighbors, just to bless your neighbors. Maybe one of, one of the things is that maybe you would take your snowman, your, your uh, marshmallow snowman, and take them to your neighbor and just say, hey, we brought you a gift, Merry Christmas. Or maybe you would bake a small batch of cookies and deliver them to your neighbor and say, hey, we wanted to tell you Merry Christmas. Or maybe you would just write a note or a card and walk over and say, hey, we just wanted to say thank you for being an incredible neighbor. Or maybe, and we put this one on there too, it's not something you have to do that night except you talk about it as a family, it's that you would circle a date on the calendar that you as a family would commit over the next few weeks to deliver a meal to your neighbors just to say, hey, we love you. And we wanted to say thank you for being an incredible neighbor. Or maybe you need to say, I'm sorry for being a lousy neighbor. (laughs) Whatever the case may be. Just an opportunity for you to intentionally engage with your neighbors. And then finally, we want to hear your story. And so we've included instructions about how to tell us that story. Again, there's a hashtag, hashtag FBDB Family Challenge. But then there'll also be a link on our website with this graphic. You just click on the graphic, it'll open up a form. That'll be up and going by Christmas Eve so that you could open up that form and just tell us your story. Tell us about your experience. Talk about how significant it was to you and those that you love. And over the course of the week following Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, we'll be mining Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and so forth, and we'll be monitoring that uh, Facebook, I mean that uh, website page and that form, and we'll be gathering stories because on New Year's Eve, we want to celebrate some of those things as a church. Won't that be incredible? Because Christmas is indeed the most wonderful time of the year except when it's not. And Christmas is a time where everything is merry and bright, except when it's not. And this morning I wanna talk to you, and I'll come back to the box at the end of our time, I wanna talk to you today about what I wanna call the trouble at Christmas. The trouble at Christmas. We have a passage, it's in Matthew chapter two, you could turn there, it's a part of the narrative around Jesus' birth and early life. It skips ahead a little bit in the story so that it's, it's beyond his birth and he's actually a little boy, um, scholars tell us. And uh, this is the account of when some mad guy from another place came, a distant land, came to visit the boy Jesus and they came to, uh, to worship him. But the events surrounding this uh, story are significant, and and I think that we could look and find some things in this story that might help us as a people. I want to begin by helping us uh, think about, for just a second, uh, a little bit about Christmas. 
We know as believers that Christmas is a significant time because it is a monumental moment in history where God's mission became incredibly crystal clear that a savior was born. And there were people like shepherds and wise men and a Joseph and a Mary who understood the significant statement made at Christmas that a savior was born, the hope of the world had come into the world. But we live in a culture that uh, has taken the Christmas story, the mission of God, and has really transformed it into something else. And, And the reason and the way that they've done that is they've watched our habits and behaviors. And so Christmas is now a multi-billion dollar industry. Christmas is a multi-billion dollar industry. Did you hear the B before that word billion dollar industry? There are surveys, consumer surveys that tell us that the average person will purchase uh, 14.7 gifts this year. Feel sorry for the loved one who gets the point seventh of the gift, but that's how the survey works out. Now, I know Pastor Lowell, you've already sunk that. You've got 16 more to buy, so you're way above the average. The average person will buy that. The average family will spend uh, nearly $1,000 in the neighborhood of $1,000 on average for Christmas. That's average, so some will spend significantly more, some significantly less. All of that translates into a figure that is astounding, it is a $680.4 billion annually industry. Wow. $680.4 billion. It represents to the retail industry nearly one-third of their annual revenue. Is that significant or what? And so therefore, it makes perfect sense why we see things of Christmas begin to appear on the shelves earlier and earlier and earlier. Because we have said to the retail industry, hey, we'll fund your business to the tune of one third of your annual revenue. And so when you walk into a department store or a big box store or even a a mom and pop store, you'll begin to see things in the month of September even appear uh, on the shelves that are related to Christmas and the Christmas time. A $680 billion industry. That's just the retail of gifts and decorations and things like that. But I, I also found this cool little place called the National Christmas Tree Association. Did you know there was such? The National Christmas Tree Association. That tells us that in the year 2016, a consumer survey revealed that uh, people purchased, you ready? 46 million Christmas trees, artificial and real. 46 million Christmas trees. I'll let you guess in your own mind what that that translates into in the dollar figure. Think about it for a moment. Get your guess. Now the answer is $3.9 billion on Christmas trees. Significant. 
And so that is what Christmas has become. That's what the season has become. That's what it is. That's what we buy into. Now, before you go and label me Ebenezer Scrooge today, please understand, I am 100% for gifts. I love getting gifts. I love giving gifts. Most of my significant memories growing up were about Christmas time and sneaking into the room before my parents woke up and, and seeing what all was there and then pretending to be surprised when they actually got up and we went in together. I remember it was incredible. So I, I love the season. I love the traditions. The, the traditions are great. The giving is great. But anytime good things become ultimate things, we have trouble. And that is what has happened, is that Christmas has become about something other than the mission of God. I think that trouble arises when we have conflicting and competing agendas. And so while this incredibly uh, lucrative industry has been fabricated, if you will, it has also led to another little cottage industry, if you will. Not, not really cottage industry, it's larger than that, but it doesn't really produce a lot of uh, income so far as I know. But it also leads to some other things that you can find in research if you do the research related to holiday times. And so if you were to actually take a search engine and type in the word stress and holiday, you would get a profound number of results. And so all of this shopping and all of this going and all of this planning and all of this wrapping leads us to a place where the point of Christmas misses the point of Christmas. And so there are things like WebMD and there are things like the Mayo Clinic staff and there are places like MedicineNet who write articles about how to cope with the stress of holiday times. Because holiday times are often difficult times. And we add to that, we heap on to that the unrealistic expectations that we keep for families and, and the demands that we keep for doing certain things because we've always done certain things. And we have to have that cake because we've always had that cake. And we anticipate what she's going to say to me this year based on what she said to me last year. And we remember sometimes difficult memories at holiday time that come up. And we have to see toxic family members. And, and sometimes we are the toxic family members. But the holiday times can be incredibly difficult because of compassion competing agendas. And in this story that we looked at, Matthew chapter 2, I think we can find some and see some competing agendas, recognizing the fact that the first and foremost thing is that the point of Christmas is a significant statement in history pertaining to the mission of God to seek and to save that which was lost. And we see in the story several different agendas that we could, we could look at. First of all, um, we'll, we'll take some time a little bit of time, and we'll talk a little bit about the story. Um, but Matthew chapter 2 is where it is found. It's starting in verse 1. Uh, really, let me just talk through the story rather than taking time to read it. Um, so in the story, uh, there are some wise men from a far land, and they hear of, and they see a star, and they come to a place where they think the Messiah is going to be, or the King of the Jews is going to be born. And they come to the, the person who's in charge of this area of the world. His name is Herod, King Herod. And they come to King Herod, and they inquire of him. And King Herod um, 
pretends to be interested in what they're doing um, for a certain set of reasons, but in actuality, he's interested in what they're doing because of a whole nother set of reasons. He's got his own agenda. And so he takes the information that the wise men give to him, and he assembles also around him the chief priests and the scribes, and he inquires of them because he's gathering information because he wants to do a particular thing. And as he gathers the information, he comes back to the wise men and he sends them off to do his bidding and says, please go and, and, and find this, this king that's been born because I want to go and, and worship him too. And so the wise men go and they indeed find uh, where Jesus is and they come to him. We know the story. They bring him gifts. They, it tells us they bow down and they worship him. And then something significant happens. They're warned, the wise men are, they're warned in a dream that there's something else going on other than what's been revealed to them by Herod. Herod is seeking, doesn't say that this is what they're told, but they're warned in a dream. And so based on their warning, they go to another place and they don't go back to Herod. And that's the gist of this story. Well, here are what I think we could uh, label them some uh, agendas. And this is agendas regarding the mission of God. So first of all, there is the agenda that is hostile to the mission. The agenda that's hostile to the mission, that's Herod. Herod is hostile to the mission because Herod is an egomaniac and Herod is suspicious. And anybody that he thinks might supplant him as king, he seeks to destroy Scholars tell us that um, Herod uh, murdered several of his sons, uh, a wife, and anybody else that would get in his way. And so the text tells us that when Herod heard of what was going to happen, that Herod was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Because when Herod was thinking about something, uh, everybody was aware of what Herod was thinking about. And when Herod was having a difficult time with something, everybody was having a difficult time with something. They knew of his... um, evil heart. They knew of his misunderstanding. So Herod would represent the agenda that's hostile to the mission. He's against it. Though he doesn't fully understand it, he is, he is against it. And so he manipulates a system to try and seek out the king that has been born that he might destroy that king. So there's the hostile agenda. And uh, quickly, then we have the agenda that is indifferent to the mission of God. Herod, in his plans and scheming, assembles the chief priests and the scribes. This really hits home more to us because this was the religious people. These were the people who should have gotten it. These were the people who should have known uh, what was going down. These were the people who spent their days and their time studying the scriptures. These were the, those who directed the worship at the temple. These were the people who were the experts in the law. And so Herod inquires of them, and they tell Herod what it is that they know. And so Herod takes their information, but they do nothing about seeking to find out if it's true what could have happened there in Bethlehem. And so they're really indifferent to the mission. They don't realize that what is being fulfilled is the promised Messiah has come into the world. Let me ask you a question. I think this so um, describes uh, religious people today even. We are quick to uh, get all the facts correct about the story of Jesus. We're quick to point out that the wise men don't belong at the stable because they came much later in a house when Jesus was a little boy. Uh, 
We're quick to line up all the prophecies and have all the right answers about questions that people ask concerning Jesus, almost all the questions. We're quick to, to attack people, so to speak, in an offhand sort of way when they say happy holidays and we say back Merry Christmas. We have a verbal volleyball match that happens. You check out at the store and they say happy holidays and you say Merry Christmas. How dare you say happy holidays to me? And we, we absolutely get all up in arms when um, somebody refers to a green uh, evergreen tree as a holiday tree and not a Christmas tree. What if we won that war? What if we won the war and it was mandated that the words happy holidays were forbidden from the English language and everybody had to say Merry Christmas? And so you check out of the store and the clerk says Merry Christmas. We won that war, but what if they say Merry Christmas, but they never learned that the Messiah is the Savior of the world? You see, we can win the battle, perhaps, that mandates people say Merry Christmas, but we can remain indifferent to the mission of telling them who Jesus really was. We can have all the facts right about the Christmas story and the fact that the chief scribes or the chief priests and the Pharisees missed it so badly tells us that, that having, spending great deals of time in the scripture is insufficient, insufficient to bring us into relationship to Jesus. We can be experts, but still miss who Jesus really was. can remain indifferent, but then there's also the kingdom agenda. There's God's agenda. We see that in the encounter with the wise men. I need to back up one second, because I think I just said spending time in the scriptures is insufficient to bring you to saving knowledge of Jesus. That's not at all what I meant to say, at all. Absolutely, we can be saved because we read the scriptures. How did I mess that up, Doug? Wow. We can have all the right answers, the point is, and not engage in the mission. We can know all about Jesus and never tell people about Jesus, and we've missed the mission. That's what I meant. So finally, there's, there's God's agenda. Really, God's agenda is superintending all of this. We find that as the wise men go on to where it is that they're where they find um, the boy Jesus, we find that in the passage it tells us that the star that they had seen and they had followed rose and went before them. Scholars tell us that this was not just some supernatural event or, or, or some cosmic event, but it was divinely directed by God to bring the wise men to the place where Jesus was. Um, John Piper made it this, stated it this way. He said that, that God wielded the universe to signify the place where Jesus was. Wielded the universe. The heavens declared where Jesus was and the wise men followed. So God is divinely directing these foreign 
people to the place where Jesus was, and these foreign people come to the place where Jesus was, and it says that they fell down and they worshiped him. Now, God, knowing everything, understood quite well what Herod's agenda was, and that the chief priests and the scribes were really indifferent to what was going on, and so he warns the wise men to go a, a different place, and later on we find that uh, in response to what Herod's going to do, because he's been tricked and, and the wise men didn't come back to him, it tells us a little bit further that he ordered the massacre of all the babies born two years and under in that area of the world, and so the wise men are warned in a dream to go a different place because God will accomplish his mission. We can remain hostile to the mission. We can remain indifferent to the mission, but God will accomplish his mission. God wins in the end. Even though there are conflicting agendas that lead us, leave us all troubled and leave us um, depressed and anxious and stressed out after the holiday season, if we really would just take a moment and realize that Christmas is not so much about the parties and not so much about the gifts and not so much about the lights, not so much about the trees, but it's about hitting the pause button and just recognizing that at a moment in history, God spoke clearly in his son and sent Jesus as savior of the world. What would it look like if we stopped being hostile and what would it look like if we stopped being indifferent and what would it look like if we said, hey, God's going to accomplish his mission. Let's get in on it. Here's what I think it might look like. I think it could possibly look like families just saying, hey, this year we're going to hit the pause button and we're going to spend some time reflecting on who Jesus is and what he has done for us distraction-free. And we're going to take some time to bless our neighbors and enter into a relationship with our neighbors, if you have not done so already. And I believe that if we could um, get in on what God is going to do anyway, if we could get in on that, what it might look like is what we have said for several months now, that there might come a day where there's no place left in our city and the places we live and work and play that has not heard about Jesus and had the opportunity multiple times to respond to the gospel. It could possibly look like that. If we set aside other agendas and said, hey, we're just gonna get on the same page with God's agenda, and we're gonna get on down the road in telling people what Christmas really means, that Jesus is the savior of the world. And if you'll place your faith in Jesus, you'll be forgiven of your sins. And one day, Regardless of what happens here on this earth, one day he's going to come back and receive his people to be with him. What if we took the challenge to say we're going to set aside all of the other agendas? This year, maybe we're going to fight against the system and, and not feed this $680 billion industry. I know you already have a Christmas tree probably and Pastor Lowell's buying 16 more gifts. That's okay. But this year, what if this year we don't let the point of Christmas miss the point of Christmas? You with me? And I believe what great stories we would see come out of this that we would not let the point of Christmas this year miss the point of Christmas.
I don't know where you are today with regard to the story of Jesus. Maybe today would be a day that you would say, hey, you know what? Not only does this Christmas thing hasn't made sense to me up until now, but I'm not even sure about who Jesus is. We'd love for the opportunity to talk to you about who Jesus is. In just a couple minutes, we're going to sing. Pastor Ken's going to come and lead us. And all across the front here, all across the front here, we're going to have some pastors, and they would love to talk with you if today you would say, hey, I need to place my faith in Jesus. I need to begin a journey with Jesus so that Christmas suddenly (laughs) makes sense to me. But equally as important, I want to challenge you right where you're seated in your hearts just to say, hey, you know what? This year, I'm going to hit the pause button. And I'm going to stop the madness for just a little bit with my family. And we're going to think and ponder and reflect on who Jesus is and how it is that he wants to use us as a family and use us as a church to reach our city and the world. We're just going to say, hey, it's that important. We're just going to pause beginning on Christmas Eve and just say, hey, we're going to reflect, we're going to think, and we're going to engage. And when you've come to that place in your heart, I want to invite you that as soon as you get ready to leave today, on the way out, in the mall, there are family time challenge boxes for every family in the church. So we encourage you to stop. Grab those, grab those boxes and commit this year to start a family time challenge. We believe that it's not just about Christmas, but that this could be something that is significant, that every week, perhaps, family would say, hey, it's time for our family time challenge. We're gonna put our phones in the boxes and we're gonna spend time together thinking about Jesus and reflecting on the mission that he's called us to. Let's pray together, and then I want to encourage us to respond. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you for how it is that you are um, superintending all of history, that you are uh, divinely directing everything towards the day when Jesus will come and and rightfully take his place as ruler of everything. We'll see everything under his feet. God, we ask you to have your will and way in our hearts in these last moments. And we thank you so much for the opportunity just to engage with one another as a family. That we could take some time just to hit the pause button and say thank you, Jesus, one, for what you've done for us. And thank you, Jesus, for how it is that you want to use us in the coming weeks and months. God, we love you so much and we thank you for this Christmas time that reminds us that we have not been forgotten, but that you sent hope into the world, born as a baby who would become a man and who would pay the penalty that we could not pay so that we might have life and have life abundant. We ask you to give us the courage to respond and we pray all this today in Jesus' name, amen.